Nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword passport. Over here, we check here. Bra. It, Let's go. This is Garage Logic Podcast number 108. We're going to go for about 1,000, don't oh you think? Boy. Should we do 1,000? Let's do this. We're doing a hell of a lot more than that. This is Feb 28, 2019. 26 below in 1962. 57 uh, on the uh, Common Surface Savings and Loan Bank Thermometer in downtown Garage Logic. 57 in 1932. And now, from the mayor's office, above mind. the boathouse on Next the east working. shore of Spoon Lake, it? it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Damn flashlight kid, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Roger. Thank you, sir. Roger, Roger. Thank you, sir. Mr. President, you've said that you... Uh-huh. Roger, Roger. Internet has filters. I have so much on my mind, I don't know where to, to begin. Got a lot on my mind. Got a lot on my mind. Well... What are you starting with? What I, are you... I, uh, the spindle is full. Start clearing I it, baby. I normally know what I... Obesity could force British military to make planes and submarines bigger. We're too fat. Yeah, we got to make fatter submarines <laughs> to to widen the the area for someone to, that's girthy to get through. English soldiers are fighting the Battle of the Bulge. Get it? <laughs> Obesity was on the menu. Get it? Got it. Who wrote this crap? What? What? Roger. Website Roger. Is this? I did. Uh, there, so, well, wouldn't it be cheaper to do jumping jacks? Yeah, trim that. Maybe uh, uh, trim the um, the menu. You know what they need? Uh, the YouTube video, Rook. Remember the YouTube video that you and I found of the what army was it trying to do? Oh, the Iraqi the soldiers. Iraqi soldiers. When they're trying to do <laughs> learn to how to do jumping jacks, and they couldn't do it. Listen to this. By far and away, the most serious eating disorder is the obesity epidemic, which is now impinging upon the armed forces. Lord McCall of Dulwith reportedly told his colleagues. Ejector seats in fighter planes are having to be modified because of obesity. In other words, they hit the eject button and these fat bastards just sit there. It doesn't eject them. It just goes, boom. Doesn't, nothing happens. <laughs> nothing happens. It's a plotch. It's a plotch. It's a plotch. According to McCall, England's obesity issues could impact the Royal Navy. We may have to enlarge the escape hatches of submarines. Can you imagine the first guy out gets stuck in it and the rest of them are going, get, <laughs> Poof. Will you push Jack through there, please? <laughs> this is amazing. It's, is this the soft bigotry of low expectations? Might be. Yes, this is the uh, lowest com- LCD, you lowest know common denominator. You know what we're learning here then, Rook? Goose just needed to put on a couple extra pounds. He wouldn't have been hit right he through the canopy. He would have right. He wouldn't hit the top and boom and died and there was no more for what's-her-name. How about this? Iraqi soldiers learning how to do jumping jacks, and they—they're trying to. He's—he's 
He just jumps and claps. Look at this guy. You have to, folks. Come Iraqi on, you can do it. Soldiers learning how to do jumping jacks. Why don't you jacks. just post it on Google our website? That. We can do that. Yeah. That is one of my favorites. It's uh, yeah. Come yeah. on, fellas. He's just, the one guy did a one-handed jumping jack. The one guy that's clapping in front, too. He's, <laughs> he doesn't really grasp the concept no. that the arms are supposed to go above his head. Oh, Speaking gosh. of the soft bigotry of low expectations, a phrase I was reminded of by uh, a loyal GL listener in the belly of the beast over in Liberal Lake, Steve Mulholland. Uh, Metro Transit is going to put undercover agents on the light rail trains to, uh, uh, in an effort to uh, uh, get rid of the smokers, to have people put their cigarettes out. People are smoking on the, isn't that a clear violation? Shouldn't there be some alarm that alarms when you're smoking on the light rail line? Like the airport? What do you mean? If you're smoking, isn't there a smoke detector where an alarm would go off? That's unaware of. If you smoke at the, on an airplane. Why don't you settle down? Well, I'm just telling you. No, I'm, just settle down. I'm shocked that they don't have those already. Well, here's what should shock you. What? All right. Uh, it's it's cigarettes, uh, What are the, uh, e-cigs, e-cigs, and marijuana. And oh. we want to legalize marijuana. And... Uh, the uh, they're gonna the Metro Transit's gonna put uh, they got eighteen hundred complaints last year about smoking on the light rail trains. Okay, and uh, as uh, as Mulholland points out, if 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 doing jumping jacks uh, would be a pretty common sense cure to obese soldiers, rather than having to build fatter submarines and. <laughs> Ejector seats. Yes. Why not, rather than enforce non-smoking, enforce paying, and you'd probably eliminate most of the smokers. Yeah, I I was actually just thinking that same thing. I told you guys of my horror story taking the light rail from Terminal 1 to Terminal 2 Mm -hmm. to go get my vehicle. I I could barely breathe on the thing because it was so filled with smoke. Well, there are activist groups who would find that enforcing non-smoking would be insensitive to certain people. Oh, I suppose. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, like the smoking community. Jessica Treat, executive director of Move Minnesota, worries that people of color will be profiled in the enforcement effort. Yes, smoking on the train is not good, but is policing the way to handle it, she said? Let me stop right there. I don't care what race you are. Right. If, if a black guy sitting there smoking, yep. how is that profiling? If he's got the cigarette going. You got him. Boom. Now, if a black guy's sitting there and he's not smoking and you hassle him, that's profiling. Okay. Yep. But if the, but if the black guy is not smoking. He's got the goods. If he's smoking, if he's smoking, how can that be profiling? It's not. You've, you've caught him in the act. Sir, you're uh, you're going to be fined uh, $250. Plus, Treat said, people cited for smoking may get caught up in the criminal justice system. When police confront transit riders, the situation can escalate, said Amity Foster, spokeswoman for the advocacy group Twin Cities Transit Riders Union. Did you know that the riders had a union? Twin Cities Transit Riders, riders Union. Did not know that. This is an overreaction to an unpleasant but nonviolent citation. There must be a better civilian approach. Are you kidding me? Do you think these women would tolerate going into a restaurant in Minneapolis and putting up with somebody smoking a cigarette at the next no. table? Of course no. not. They would weep. No. Yeah. They would seek a safe place. 
<laughs> they would consider it a microaggression. Yes. Transit agencies across the country face the same struggle with passengers smoking on the trains. Uh, well, you're not supposed to. No. I, I don't. I'd really, in my time riding on the train, I've never seen anybody smoking or vaping. The Twins games you that really we go to. never have. I never have. Oh, I do. It, I, I will routinely see it. And I don't ride the, the light rail that often. I'm probably a Just two, games or, or, concerts two or, or three times yeah. a month light rail ride, rider. Mm-hmm. But just think, <laughs> you've got people in the activist community. That's got to get fogged. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. Who are somehow contorting themselves to say, yeah, you know, smoking is bad, but really don't hassle anybody on the train for smoking. Uh, and, they, because, and they don't need to pay. That's all come right, on. too. Well, what did Mulholland write me? Uh, he's in the belly of the beast there in Liberal Lakes. Our region's toy train is in the news again. It would appear that smoking both cigarettes and marijuana has become a problem, and Metro Transit will enlist undercover officers who will climb on board routes to enforce the no-smoking policy. This is why we can't have nice things. There's something in that that I'd further <laughs> like to break down. Because I see the few times I have written it. People will put their feet on a seat. Yes. Uh, the people. The Do you ma- think if they enforce the requirement to purchase a ticket that a considerable percentage of this smoking issue would go away? But that would make too much sense. Uh, a quote in today's Star Tribune by a spokesperson from something called the Twin Cities Transit Riders Union seems tempered by the soft bigotry of lowered expectations. When police confront transit riders, the situation can escalate, said Amity Foster, a spokeswoman for the advocacy group Twin Cities Transit Riders Union. This is an overreaction to an unpleasant but nonviolent citation. There must be a better civilian approach. Good luck to you and all loyal GL listener in the belly of the beast, Liberal Lakes area of Minneapolis, Steve Mulholland. Man, he's got to be a lonely GLer. I'll say. I'll say. Based on his neighborhood over <laughs> mm-hmm. there. You know. Um, People walk by him, they see him, and they go, Hi, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't tell him I'm a listener. How symbolic is the light rail for everything that is currently flawed with every level of government? Here you have this thing that was supposed to serve the people. That's cost the taxpayers well, billions billion dollars. of dollars. It can't pay for itself. It can't pay for itself. And, and yet, here we are now. It's gotten so bad, we need to hire more people, throw more money at it, to correct an issue that we may or may not want to enforce. If you enforced, there's got to be the technology. The technology, we've talked about this before. The technology must exist that would prevent you from boarding a train without a ticket. Right. That you had to pay for. Well, okay. And you know what the train has become? Just a billion-dollar entitlement program. Yep. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Well, in New York. And you- white, this applies to all races, by the way. Who right, ride that thing. Right. They're not paying. No, they, they missed the train, so to speak. Sorry for the pun. On the turnstiles. It's, it's, it's too be accessible. It's too be accessible. Because you can just walk right up. There's no check system to say, did you buy a ticket? Insert it here like you do with the Metro card in the, the subway in New York. And then we're suppo- according to these activists who represent transit riders to the point of them attempting to have a union or deluding themselves into believing they have a union, uh, we're now supposed to accommodate the people who smoke dope, uh, uh, vapor cigarettes, and cigarettes on the train because uh, if you profile, you, you, black uh, people of color will be profiled. No, lady, you dummy. 
It's not profiling if you're smoking. That's an action. Right. You got caught. <laughs> you're not profiling. If a terrorist uh, kills a thousand people and you catch him in the act, you're not profiling. You, you caught him. You got him. He did it. That's not profiling. Boy, and that's the easiest thing to smell is someone smoking. If it's supposed to be a non-smoking train, boom, you smell the smoke, you track them down, you're out of here. Well, that's, so, that's right. So I got a thought. I wish you did. Why not just make the damn thing free? Don't even bother charging tickets. I wonder if that would, okay, then then let's go, let's go GL on this thing. Could you then say to uh, the RF molars of the world, the federateds of the world, hey, we got a thousand people riding this thing a day and start selling advertising within the confines of the train. I know they sell the the skins on the outside, out, outside yeah. of it. No, no, and I'll tell you why. Why wouldn't that work? Well, I don't think you'd be reaching a, a socioeconomic demographic that would be appealing to advertisers. I don't think a lot of the people who would are be, you profiling with advertising. Well, if you, I mean, I think a lot of people who get on the train and don't pay for a ticket, put their feet up on the chair and smoke cigarettes, are not going to buy a Rolex this weekend. Hmm. Okay, Understood. right. And I suppose well, then you find your you find your uh, your advertisers for uh, I don't know what to. I think the larger point of the story, fellas, and the only reason I really brought it up is that we are accommodating the lowest common denominator to yes. the point where mm-hmm. we're being admonished here by spokespeople in the activist community. Um, basically, let us smoke on the train. In other words, no expectations are anticipated for the typical rider of the train. That is the soft bigotry of low expectations. Rather than rather than say to a young black man or a young white man or a young Hispanic woman or a Hmong guy, look, when you're on this train, there's no smoking. Mm-hmm. You are no different than anybody else. You follow the rules. Mm-hmm. We're not getting that because there are no standards in the mystery. The mystery is saying uh, those those rules only exist for privileged white people. <laughs> So we're just we're we're giving up. We're allowing that line to move. Yeah. Uh, for, clo- uh, was it closer to us, or would it be further away? Farther. Farther, farther is away. distance. Further is in addition to. Farther is distance. But further so if something's is in going to. away from you. That's farther away from you. What if it's going up? What do you mean if it's going up? Yeah. <laughs> further. It's going up. Thursday, Joe. Have you been to the Minnesotan? I love the Minnesotan. It's I've been the there several times. Store. Yes, I really it's love it. It's in downtown White Bear Lake, across the street from what I used to know as the Avalon Movie Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have vintage shirts, caps, sweatshirts. Thunderbird Motel. They're bringing in shirts for the hockey tournament in oh, St. Cool. Patrick's Day. Uh, it's In fact, tomorrow they're releasing state high school hockey tournament and St. Patrick's Day apparel. These are designed celebrating these great March traditions. I'm telling you something. This is on 4th Street in downtown White Bear Lake. And here's the deal with uh, for GLers. You get 20% off if you mention GL in the store. And you, I don't care if you're in Bulgaria. You can go online and order stuff mm-hmm. and make sure you check off the GL box online and you get 20% off. And I have I have one of their sweaters with their own logo on it. And you know how I love, I don't like ostentatious logos. Yes. You know, I, I like them kind of small. Yes. it's And I get asked about it. Where, hey, what cool logo is yeah, that? I've it's seen it's it. a T and an M, the Minnesotan. 
And uh, I've got I got my Hill High School hat. Mm-hmm. I got, it's just fantastic. I got a Mott hat, Mott Amidi. I bought a St. Paul T-shirt there for my brother-in-law as a Christmas gift. Uh, you're going to love this store. Uh, you're going to love the people who work there. And if you want to do it online... Uh, it's you know it's great for birthdays and anniversary gifts. They'll ship nationwide. You go to one word the Minnesotan dot com, and you mention Garage Logic either in the store or uh, using the online code Garage Logic at checkout and save twenty percent. That's the Minnesotan right in the middle of historic downtown White Bear Lake. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Sushiroki. Who's making that whoosh noise? Is that Dylan? That's your, well, that's your uh, computer. It just, but it just sounded cool. Right. How did it do that? Because it's got a little feedback to it once in a while. That was rookie. <laughs> the orchestra down. Yes, sir. A majority of Supreme Court justices offered tepid support Wednesday for letting a Maryland war memorial in the shape of a Christian cross remain on government land in a landmark First Amendment case with implications for religious symbols on public property. In a spirited 70 minutes of oral arguments, most justices appeared to accept the narrow, limited view that the monument was historically significant and its Latin cross design reflected the nationwide trend at the time it was erected to honor war dead with community memorials. This is about five miles from the Supreme Court building okay. in Maryland. It's a big cross uh, in, a, in now a roundabout intersection. As, as the hundred years have gone by and development has occurred and what have you, this cross ended up on what is now a public easement. Okay. And... S- Sure enough, a guy comes along and claims he's offended by that. This is an important case because the Supreme Court needs to get to the bottom of what gives you the constitutional protection just because you're offended. Right. Yeah. Because then we're, then you're opening up a gigantic can here. I mean, who who else can you sue in this country because you're offended about something? I don't. I, but you. But there's constantly lawsuits by these weenies who say, "Oh, I see that cross when I'm at my stoplight, and I'm offended by it." And then it gets rushed into court. This is a chance to say, "Look, this was common after World War One. The cross was a universal symbol of of not only honoring the dead, but marking the dead on battlefields. Mm-hmm. You'd put up crosses. <laughs> right. That's just the way it was." You you have a problem, not the First Amendment. You have a problem. Uh, uh, and what would be? Here's what they need to find out. What is? What does it mean to be offended? Uh, think of the the Jews for centuries have had to live with uh, crosses everywhere in their day to day activities, and they never complained. It's called the Blandesburg Peace Cross. It sits in a traffic circle in the Washington suburbs where it has stood for nearly a century to honor 49 local World I soldiers who died in battle overseas. 
its supporters, including the Trump administration, say the 40-foot monument was created solely to honor those heroes and is secular in nature. Opponents call it an impermissible overlap of church and state since it is controlled and cared for by a Maryland Parks Commission. For members of other faiths, that cross symbol is not a way to memorialize the dead and does not have that meaning, said Justice Elena Kagan. For many years, this was a very natural way to do exactly what they want to do for others not. Uh, fundraising for the Peace Cross began soon after the war to end all wars concluded, spearheaded by Gold Star Mothers of Prince George's County, Maryland, who lost their sons to battle and honors 49 men, including four African-American soldiers and a Medal of Honor recipient. It was completed in 1925, built by members of the local American Legion Post with private donations. It was later rededicated as a memorial to honor all American veterans. Inscribed at the base of the monument are four words, valor, endurance, courage, and devotion. There are no written references to God, Christianity, or religion. A Maryland Parks Commission in 1961 gained custody of the cross and land around the intersection. The government now pays for maintenance and upkeep, uh, though veteran groups regularly hold memorial services there. The structure includes the embedded symbol of the American Legion. Uh... A federal appeals court agreed and ordered the memorial to be torn down, moved, or modified. The Constitution says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The Supreme Court is a mixed record on disputes concerning religious freedom and the separation of church and state, with the justices often using a case-by-case determination. I, I, I hope this cross survives. Uh, and I, I mean that not so much for... Uh, the theological significance of a Latin cross. Right. Uh, it's just another attempt by Mysterians to undo the history of the country. This was a very common thing for communities to do in 1925. Would and you, why should their memories and why should their respectful uh, 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 establishments be, be trampled by this idea that some, somebody's offended by it? Get over it. That's your problem. Do you think the Supreme Court— Let me keep—wait a minute, I'm okay. rolling, because okay. I had another thought. Get over it if you're offended, because that keeps setting up this this uh, idea of where in the hell do we have to rush in to protect you every time you're protect, uh, you're offended? You, you correct yourself, you moron. There's nothing overtly religious about this. Nothing. There's not a religious word on it. Yeah. Civilians erected this for their 49 lost souls. Yes, you in the back. Uh, and now it's those people, the offended the offended crowd that's been emboldened. Yesterday, we had a group of first graders that went into Feinstein's office and mm-hmm. were so rude. That's where it's starting. It's starting at such a young age now that you can't harness that once these people reach adulthood. I'm going to get to... Feinstein in a moment. I, by the way, I played that video clip last night mm-hmm. for a first grade teacher. Mm-hmm. Her mouth almost hit the floor because she could not believe that a teacher would behave in that manner. Right. That first grade teacher will remain nameless, but she Mrs. said, I, 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 I can't believe that a teacher would act that way in front of students. Let me get to her in a moment. Sorry. Let me finish the cross. Sorry. Uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, in part, blamed lawyers appearing before him for not offering a workable standard to guide the lower courts. 
I once was a lower court judge, and I get this type of case-by-case analysis. I'm just going to throw my hands up, he said at one point. Do you have to a lawyer? Do you have something more concise about the test you would apply beyond looking at the contextual factors in history? The high court in 1971 established its three-prong lemon test, named after one of the parties in the case. That embedded legal standards in the relationship between church and state, but Gorsuch said that such precedent has not been applied in recent years by the justices. Uh, I don't know what the lemon, I don't know what the three-prong test is, but I want clarity. I want clarity from the Supreme Court once and for all. How is that cross an establishment of religion by Congress? It's not. It's not. It's not. And if you're offended by it, rookie, that's your bleeping problem. <laughs> right. You if get I don't over like it. it. I don't like the red uh, cross sitting there. That uh, really uh, disturbs me. Get over it. Tough bananas. That's too bad. Well, let's hope that in their wisdom, they can realize this has gone on long well, enough. Well, they're erring too far on the side of caution. You know, if the, if the cross had blinking lights on it that said this cross was e- e- uh, uh, erected by Congress in 1925 and we command that each of you stop here and say a prayer at least once a week, fine, now tear it down. Issue. <laughs> that's, that's, not a, that's not what this is. Now, you said uh, the behavior of those kids yesterday. Oh. Uh, I'm still, I just cannot believe that that, that they how, were... How uh, convenient is it to play that again? Uh, give me a minute. Give me a minute. If you, maybe you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast. What we're talking about is... Uh, uh, what we're talking about is uh, some elementary school kids went to Senator Dianne Feinstein's office in California to present their demands to her that she get on board with the uh, the Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. And not only are these kids clearly brainwashed, clearly, and I mean that quite literally, right. brainwashed, but what also struck us was their absolute lack of manners, decorum, civility. It's extraordinary. Extraordinary. Their, their behavior was, was beyond the pale. Uh, brats, just brats one and all, including their teacher. And they had... And and the irony is, you know, we we ended up we're defending Diane Feinstein, <laughs> but 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 yes, show some decorum in the presence of a longstanding United States senator. I know I know we live in a country right now where uh, moral and ethical integrity are going out the window, but that's no excuse for parents not to drum it into their uh, kids to behave. Here here is the audio in case you didn't hear it yesterday. On the green we are trying to ask you to vote yes on the Green New Deal. Okay, I'll tell you what. We have our own Green New Deal. Some scientists have said that we have 12 years to turn this around. Well, it's not going to get turned around in 10 years. What we can do is this doesn't get turned around in 10 years at the faces of the people who are going to be living yeah, with these consequences. The government and is supposed to be for the people and by the people and all You know for what's the interesting about this group is I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You come in here and you say it has to be my way or the highway. I don't respond to that. I've gotten elected. I just ran. I was elected by almost a million votes plurality and I know what I'm doing so you know maybe people should listen a little bit 
together. I hear what you're saying, but we're the people who voted you. You're supposed to listen to us. That's your job. How old are you? How old I'm are 16. You? I can't well, you didn't vote. vote for me. Well, she, I'm she voted. It doesn't matter. We're the ones who are going to be impacted. It doesn't matter. We're going to be the ones who are impacted. I understand that. I have seven grandchildren. I understand it very well. Senator, the cost of not taking this action is far higher than the cost of what the Green New Deal will be. And there is enormous popularity for this bill around the whole country. And we're asking you to be brave and do this for us and for your grandchildren. Shut up! I'm trying to do the best I can, which was to write a responsible resolution. Any plan that doesn't take bold, transformative action is not going to be what we need. Well, you know better than I do. So I think one day you should run for the Senate. Great. And I then you do it your way. But by that time, in the meantime, by that time, there's going to be just, a big problem. I just won a big election. Yeah, that was the there seemed to be in the background a toddler, so, uh, someone that was constantly jabbering. That was a little short kid. I don't. I don't. Probably a, it was another student. That is yeah. profoundly disturbing. It really is. It is profoundly disturbing. And you know what I've noticed. Each time I listen to it, it makes me more angry than the uh, previous I don't, time. You know, in, well, I'm gonna. I will go this far. I never want to listen to it again because I can't stand it. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. The entitlement from not only the teacher, the teacher you would think at that. I'm going to guess she's in her late 20s, early 30s, whatever she is. A teacher you would think would have the brain to say, OK, I should probably wait until that person is finished speaking before I interject again. Howard writes, Joe, the interchange between the elementary kids and Diane Feinstein was hard to listen to for all the reasons you cited. The incivility, the utterly rude disrespect, and the mindset of entitlement uh, demonstrated by both the kids and their teacher. The teacher whose vocal delivery eerily reminded me of Morgan Cuey Wolf Slattery <laughs> was insistent that her... Yeah, she uptalked, didn't she? Was insistent uh, that her position is the only position to be heard or tolerated, and she is instilling this misplaced passion into her young charges. Why... Uh, why uh, oh, he titled his email, Feinstein's Home for Wayward Chickens. <laughs> Why is the subject of my note called Feinstein's Home for Wayward Chickens, you ask? Because yeah. Feinstein's chickens have come home to roost. Feinstein and friends have demonstrated and fostered both the behavior and the narratives for eons, and they have now come full circle. I hope she wasn't surprised. In fact, I would have thought it was a proud moment for her. It's not every day you get windmilled by a first grader. <laughs> wow, what a great point. And then here's another point. Uh, Bert writes, uh, greetings. I nearly jumped out of my skin hearing that interaction between the children and Senator Feinstein. Good Lord, it was a cross between a bad hijack interview and the Jerry Springer show visits the senator. I can't believe no one in the vicinity said, hey, you little bleeps, this is a U.S. senator, at least take turns. Okay, cue the codger voice. When I was a lad of 10 in 1975, my nana took me to our nation's capital to see the sights. On the day we went to the Senate, she made me wear a tie. This seems silly to me, but you don't argue with nana. Also, it seemed right when we arrived. We were walking the halls. Imagine that. Chatting, and we came across John Glenn. Oh, boy. Test pilot and astronaut. Great guy. Brief chat about space. On we go. Next, we met Strom Thurmond. Well, I was so afraid of this guy immediately, (laughs) I thought his gaze would set me on fire. He shook my hand tersely and moved on. I said, he's scary to Nana. From then on, the ongoing threat, (laughs) if I did something dumb, was a visit to Senator Thurman. (laughs) Uh, Not that I had any love for Thurman, but my point is 
that that bunch of miscreants would have shut up and towed the line for that old codger, flicking ears and taking names, Bert. Just a, that, that, that is the most profoundly disturbing. Well, that, that's in our top ten most profoundly disturbing audio clips I've ever heard. Um, those, those, those. It's right up there with U and M. Yeah, right up there with U and M at the spelling bee. But they, they have. It, it's parents shame. should be alarmed at the way those kids a behaved and b are not being taught any balance. Mm-hmm. And my fear is, too, that I think there are far more parents out there that are as misguided as the ones that have these as their own children. I, I, I'm really fearful of that. Well, do you think the parents of those children that watch it because it went nationwide, do you think they're patting uh, little Henry and Julie on the on the back saying, way to go, you showed her? Or yes, I do. The, yes, I do. Yes, I do. That's the Joe. really end of the world then. Then it's completely over. Oh, we're doomed. Because that parent should say, I know you wanted to say this, but I think you were very disrespectful to that senator. And every one of those hypocrites, most particularly the teacher, uh, how do you think they got there? Did they walk there? You, they probably, that that teacher bus. probably has a place of residence with air conditioning yep. and a stove and a microwave and a washer and dryer. She probably has a car. What? What is it that... See, that's, that's another tip-off to this. What is it that people want when they say, if we don't do something in 12 years, we're going to die? Is that one little brat Affirmative said. action. What do no, they what want? What do they want? Yeah. She said, what's going to happen in, in uh, the 11th to 12th year? What? I think if it shuts those kids up, I'm prepared to all of us just disappear. <laughs> we'll take our chances and roll the dice. I've often said I'm not going to live long enough to be proven correct on this. This is right. this is a scam to enlarge uh, a a socialistic and Marxist footprint onto this country. The environment is the last uh, last refuge of a scoundrel. It used to be patriotism. Now it's the environment. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, you and I had an offer discussion, Rook. I don't remember if you were part of this. We were talking about the behavior of the kids, and mm-hmm. I mentioned this yesterday. And Rook, you've got four great kids that all are all some of which are through school. All right. And it's it's the the the, the over the top complimentary of well you he he's he's so well behaved and I think no this is how he's expected don't right. don't treat this like he's doing something out of the norm I expect him to behave this way and and you and I were talking, talking about Joel, your own kid you I'm mean? talking about my own child cuz yeah. he's a first grader and then you and I discussed well I think that some of these kids are being so poorly served at home that their future is pretty bleak and i at least feel good about the path that my kid might be on because maybe he'll be ahead of the curve and you and you disputed that no what what you're describing is a dynamic that can be strung through all of life what we've had a lot of fun with stories over the years where we see people get rewarded for not being a thief yeah right right right. yes yes i found 20 grand in a first national bank bag and i took it back to the bank and, and then and people say what a hero what a hero no that's what you're supposed to right. do. Right. Because GLers have standards. Those kids in Feinstein's office have no standards. No, no standards. And when, here's the question, as they go throughout life, uh, those are the kids that are going to be, I'm offended by a cross, yeah. I need to go see someone. Yep, exactly. So it's just, it's a growing band of, of 
dead future. I want to uh, finish. Uh, I have more great emails in just a moment. This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. We are coming up on St. Patrick's Day. You know, the luck of the Irish. Well, do you have only one agent representing one company for your home and auto insurance? Then you're trying to get lucky. At the Canopy Group, we wish you only the best of luck. But we also believe you deserve more than luck when it comes to your home and auto insurance. You need to rely on a process. The Canopy Group has 20 agents and 16 companies. Their process carefully selects from their 16 companies the best coverage at the best price for your personal insurance needs. No luck, just a disciplined and dedicated process to serving you each and every year. Remember, new clients enjoy an average savings of over $600. Contact the Canopy Group today at 800 967 3389 or visit them online at thecanopygroup.com. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. We have the most amazing audience in all of podcasting, just like we did in all of radio. Yes. I mean, we get everything answered. The other day we were talking about, uh, I wonder how long those trucks idled. Oh, yeah. Uh, stuck in the snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Well, I got your answer. Okay, what do you got? Enlighten me. Hi, Joe. I don't know if anyone answered your question as to hourly fuel consumption of an 18-wheeler, so I'll do my best. I drove a semi for over 20 years, most of that time in trucks powered by Cat 3406 engines. The 3406 is an inline six-cylinder diesel with pistons about the size of a one-pound coffee can. Horsepower ratings run from 350 to 600. For extended idle, it is recommended to idle at between 1,000 to 1,100 RPMs. At this speed, the engine consumes approximately one gallon per hour. These engines can also be used for a variety of applications, requiring them to run constantly for extended periods of time with no harm to the engine. Good luck, longtime listener Eric. You, you know, you want stuff answered, this is where you go. One gallon per hour? Yeah. And a high idle. I don't know what a high idle is, but okay. Uh, oh, you're, uh, more, un- you're unfamiliar with the high idle? High area? idle is you got, it's, it's revving. She's revving on a high idle. <laughs> Lauren writes, I walked into Wilson Elementary School in Owatonna. That's, they're pretty far away from the country's tallest building. Mm-hmm. I looked up and saw a huge poster. It's kind of like their own Mount Rushmore of folks we should admire. They had to go back to Albert Einstein and Abe Lincoln to find white males who make the cut. But your buddy Ilhan Omar and both the Obamas were quite prominent. Thought you might enjoy that early indoctrination. Okay. One more off the spindle. Downing. David, okay, what do you got? Frequent contributor. They say Nero fiddled while Rome burned. We have our own version of failed leadership in St. Paul. This morning, as I once again tried to figure out what to do with the snow, the city plow deposits on our corner. There are two sidewalks to the street to keep clear and a fire hydrant just a few feet to the side. I thought to myself, those idiots at City Hall have no business making light of this by having a snowball fight when they should be doing something about our streets. He's referring to uh, Melvin Carter and Jacob Fry and their various factotums had a snowball fight last Sunday mm-hmm. in Como Park. Yeah. Then I realized they should take that literally, but they really are adult children 
who can't be bothered with the responsibilities of adulthood. I told myself that I should count myself lucky. I am privileged, as Prince Melvin in his royal court would say. I am privileged to have health enough to deal with the snow. I am privileged to have had the money to buy a snowblower 23 years ago. And I am privileged to have the knack to maintain said machine all these years. But not all are as fortunate. For some among us, this snow is a genuine hardship. They can't shovel it themselves. They may have difficulty finding the money to pay someone to do it. They may be socially isolated without family, friends, or neighbors to help out. So what does Prince Melvin do? He declares, for our entertainment, a royal snowball fight with the prince and royal court from across the river. Fiddle, faddle, fuddle. What should he have done? Lead by example. What if Nero had laid down his bow and led his citizens in a bucket brigade? Instead of engaging in the fun of a royal snowball fight, Prince Melvin and his royal court could have spent their afternoons volunteering to shovel snow for their subjects who need help. They could have encouraged their subjects to join in this act of volunteering, whether in an organized fashion or just by taking the time to walk around your block and see who might need some help. But no, they chose instead to show us how much fun the snow is, for those with privilege and power anyway. This really shows the difference between garage logic and the mystery. In garage logic, the mayor dreams of snow shoveling teams in which the youth develop a good work ethic while engaging in a productive activity. In St. Paul, the childlike leaders engage in an adolescent snowball fight while their subjects suffer from the snow and cold. Burn, baby, burn. Downing. <laughs> I still think that's one of my best ideas. It'll never happen. I want schools to have snow shoveling teams. They compete against other schools. There, you get a letter for it. You yep. could be a sweeper, a pusher, a heaper, a stacker, a I scraper. Love it. Great and, idea. And, and but it makes too much sense. It, it won't happen. Why didn't the Why didn't the city councils and the mayors grab a shovel? Or that's what he just said. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm that's agreeing what, with that, him. That, that's Let's what he go. Said. That's what he said. Quit wasting time. That's what he said. Yeah, I'm agreeing with him. I reiterate for effect. We got it. <laughs> Scott Matura, our chef out in uh, Montana. Yes, 87. You know him. 87 Creighton High School. Joe, you pondered the ridiculous and dangerous hypocrisy of the left as it pertains to their seemingly overprotectiveness of future generations and how their peril will most likely come to fruition by way of man-made climate change. Yet they are quick to rush to a woman or doctor's defense who deems a just-born abortion survivor not worth saving. You asked what is going on in their minds for such a contradiction. I would argue it is not a contradiction at all, but rather part of a long-term plan that fits the template of this mob. Why create the mystery? To erase history. Why erase history? To write a future that is absent of the faults of the past. Why write a future that is absent of the faults of the past? To make yet another attempt at a life of equality, a.k.a. socialism or Marxism. Who do you need to bring this to reality? An entire generation. Where do you get an entire generation that is indoctrinated? The failed academy. Where else do you find a generation of worker bees that can fulfill the physical work that will be required, mentally and physically fit youth? How do you ensure mentally and physically fit youth? By eliminating the unfit ones at birth. How do you eliminate the unfit ones at, uh, at or before birth? Look no further than the bill you just discussed on the podcast the other day. Mm. Pushing back every day. Scott Matura, executive chef at Bucks in Montana. Well done, Scott. That's uh, that's frightening. Yeah, it is. But I've always told you, in order to bring about the mystery, they're going to have to tear up the Constitution. 
That's a lot of that's a lot of moving the line. I have another email from Mature. He gets the floor for two emails. Okay. We were also talking about the snow. I, I think I said something to the effect, what would you do if you got stuck on a two-lane road and, and there's nobody yeah, around? And, we were talking about it. Yep. And, uh, and I think that's different for urban. My, my urban driving needs probably will never see me stranded. And even if I got mm-hmm. stuck, there'd be a house right there right. where you could knock on the door. Correct. But he's out in Montana. Mm-hmm. All right. He writes, Joe, I was listening to the podcast the other day when you were discussing Winter weather and driving, in particular, the girl digging her car out with an ice scraper, or worse yet, Pat making a road trip in 30 degree below with no <laughs> coat. All it takes is one incident to put your vehicle off the road and leave you wishing you had a jacket and more than an ice scraper. Thankfully, many of us out here in Montana have not lost touch with nature, and if you are not prepared, it could mean life or death very quickly. We joke that in the neighborhood, out here is anything with a hundred within a hundred miles. And I drive 48 miles one way to work each day. Half of that is a dangerous canyon with sometimes completely different weather. It can be dangerous, but it's only half the drive. At least I know I have a mountain on one side of me and the river on the other. The first half is open ranch land that I'm guessing much uh, like much of Kenny's drive looks just like where Steve Buscemi burned the money in Fargo. Out here, the weather can turn on you in minutes. So as a garage logician, this is what I carry in my four-wheel drive vehicle from fall to spring. You ready? Yep. Heavy-duty jumper cables. Yep. Nylon toe strap. A flare. Let me circle that. I'm going to come back to that. A flare. A red reflective triangle for placement in your window or the road. Windshield wiper fluid, antifreeze, a quart of oil, two bottles of water, two granola bars, chargeable hand warmer, always kept charged, disposable hand warmers like a skier would use, a heavy Carhartt jacket, boots, hat, gloves, blanket, knife, basic tools, two heavy-duty window scrapers, one with a brush, a metal shovel for digging out so I don't have to use my ice scraper, (laughs) a dry change of clothes, umbrella, wet wipes, a towel, a blanket, a $100 bill. Uh, and last but not least, a portable car charging unit capable of charging any full-size vehicle once and sometimes twice. We have those. Yeah, Cobra. Cobra. It is also equipped with all ports necessary for any device you may be carrying. To my way of thinking, these safety items are as much for someone I find stranded as they are for me or my family. Pushing back every day, Scott Matura, executive chef, chef out at Bucks. Wow. Yeah, but think where he is. Why the hundred bucks? Uh, Pay somebody off to if you somebody helps you out, maybe. Sure. Hmm. Uh, but think where he is. He's driving forty-eight miles one way through a canyon for half the forty-eight miles. Right. The weather can change in the canyon. Right. I, I, this makes perfect sense to me. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. All I have in my car is uh, clothing. I've got hats and gloves and extra well, yeah, jackets. Yeah, but again, but I don't have any. I don't. You go for a walk on on Summit Avenue in Cleveland, and uh, you're not far away from danger. That's right. If your car is stranded, that's right. Now, Rook, what's in your car? I got all sorts of stuff. Gum. I do have a couple blankets, got some gum. Some no, I said I made a note to myself. He carries a nylon toe strap. And we learned the other day of the unfortunate death of Pinu. Travis Pinu. Travis Pinu. Uh, did we establish that it was a nylon snap? Yes. And I got an email today from a guy that said, always use a chain to tow. And if you have to use a nylon cord, 
wrap a jacket around the middle of it so that if something did break off, the the the, the mass of a big jacket would would stop if your hitch got torn loose from the car, for example. Okay. And you know no. that. Well, I can picture what he's talking about. Picture, picture, picture the rear end of a stuck vehicle. Yeah. And then picture the Good Samaritan's vehicle. Mm-hmm. You do a nylon strap between two of them. I'm with you. Okay. It, in, in about the midpoint of the strap's length, wrap as big of a jacket as you can around the nylon strap. Okay. That way, if something breaks, it can't. It can't do the damage that it did It'll on reduce. this occasion. It'll reduce, It'll reduce the damage. But would it? Because the force from that hitch was still would still have so much force. I don't think a jacket would have this, stopped it. This came from an emailer who sounded like he knew what he was okay. talking about. Okay, I'm just yeah. I'm not I'm not denying it. But I just can't imagine that a, a chain can't develop kinetic energy. A, a, a strap can stretch and stretch and stretch and develop its own kinetic energy. Right. A chain can't stretch. Right. Did you see the, the the? Although a chain could have still ripped out uh, this fellow's hitch, if that's in fact what happened. The wife of Travis, by the way, was interviewed by the by the news media yesterday, mm-hmm. and the family did come out and say that they harbor no ill will. Of course not towards the guy, because there were some people that were wondering about that. Oh no, they have no ill will towards the guy that was trying to help him get out of the. Oh, uh, for obvious I was trying reasons. to help. Right. Yeah. I'm sure, but I'm sure that doesn't make him feel any better or worse, knowing that the family doesn't hate him for that. Oh, God, no. I'm sure they don't. They sound like a, a young uh, couple that had their act together. They really did. He just got married last year, didn't yep. he? Yep. Say, uh, one size doesn't fit everyone. That's why Federated Insurance exists. They tailor the insurance program you need to your individual business, offering property and casualty, life and disability income insurance. Their marketing representatives are the best in the business. Many of them have been there for years and years and years. They love it there, and they're not looking to move on. They get to know your business and your operations, and that allows them to customize the coverage you need. Driving a significant part of your business, they'll talk to you about auto liability. You worried about a cyber attack? Well, pick up a newspaper. You should be. You might need data compromise coverage. Your business is unique. You need an insurance carrier who treats it that way. Get in touch with a federated insurance marketing rep to see how their second-to-none service can help your business thrive. Because at Federated, it's their business to protect yours. sense would be this much fun? Joe Souchere. You know that Chicago is sinking? Not into the mire of corruption, but sinking. What are they sinking about? Uh, Eric writes, thought you might enjoy this. Mother Nature is bigger than all of us. I waited and waited for the climate change template to be invoked, and there it is, finally, at the end. We didn't cause the glaciers or this mantle shifting. It's the natural cycle. Chicago is sinking. And here it is from the Chicago Tribune. Uh, We'll get it later. Uh, The sight lines at Wrigley Field, the panorama from Navy Pier, the vantage points at the Adler Planetarium Observatory, all structures built more than 100 years ago, are at least four inches lower now. 
in the northern U.S. and Canada, areas that once were depressed under the tremendous weight of massive ice sheets are springing back up while others are sinking. The Chicago area and parts of southern Lake Michigan, where glaciers disappeared 10,000 years ago, are sinking about four to eight inches each century. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just wanted to see how many paragraphs we have to go before we blame you-know-what. Yeah, you have to get to the third to the last paragraph in a fairly long story. Okay. Neighbors have been concerned that increased precipitation from climate change is one driver. Lakefront development is also be, has exacerbated beach erosion. Uh, okay. You know what? You'll be all right. <laughs> you don't think Chicago, like California, okay. California might go before Chicago? Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait. So the list of issues that currently present themselves to Chicago, you're putting the sinking way down at the old yeah, bottom yeah, of the yeah, old That's the list. least of their problems. <laughs> right. That is absolutely the definition of the least of your problems. <laughs> so if you're gonna get if you're gonna get held up in Chicago, you know where Chicago's sinking, hey, is that hey, a good you better rob me this now? Is that, this we've all time to up, you, know, you come back. And I don't know. You come back in sixty years, I'll be standing lower than this. Forget the new Green Deal. Yeah. Uh, we only got twelve years left. Chicago's I mean, I put going. my hands up. You might not even see the tops of my hands <laughs> right. hundred years from now. And that, isn't that the shame of it? Because Chicago is a great city. I hate it. I've never liked Chicago. Really? I don't like I've Chicago. Never been. Oh, I love Chicago. I've been there more than any other city except here. And I, I don't like it. What don't you like about I it? I don't like Aside how, from the crime, obviously. I don't like how flat it is. But you love cities on water. I, yeah, but there's no bays. That bothers me, too. The shoreline is too, uh, uh, what's the word I want? Uh, too uh, uniform. Okay. You know what, Rook? You're right. He is. Uh, yeah, 100%. I don't like the flat topography, and I don't like the fact that on the shoreline, there's no in, there's no bays. Or, I know why. I know why he wants a bay. I like bays. An escape bays route. Bays are nice. Escape route. In case, oh my God, you're in case right. Chicago is sinking, he would want to run out get to the me. bay, get in a boat, and get the hell out of there and well, there's go no to the port, there's, no, there's no harbor of refuge in Chicago. You, you got Navy Pier, you got to go behind a man made break wall and you can get in there. But, but Lakeshore like Drive, I, I, I know, right it's, it's, it's too it flat. It's, no. it's, it's too flat. You're messed up. It's a bay. It's a bay. He wants to. He wants to get out of there. If Chicago's burning in the big fire, he's gonna be. He's gonna be. Moving. But Cleveland, he's on board. Yeah, Cleveland has the same uh, problem. I don't. I, I like Cleveland. It's not as flat as Chicago. Chicago is very flat. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sinking. It's very flat. Everywhere it's not even you go, be flat. it's flat. It's gonna be like this. <laughs> Drives me crazy how flat it is. Oh God, you're messed up. <sighs> what happened when you went to the Sears Tower? Oh, yeah. You, 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 Cost you me put about the bill 400 the, bucks. Put the bill for the fam. It was foggy. I might as well have been looking outside the, from the inside of a pickle jar. Plus, I can't stand heights anyway, so I didn't even look out the window. I'm oh, on my God. hands and knees. Did they have the... Why is that that I can fly? No problem, but I can't stand heights of a tall building. I, I'm somewhat the same way. I don't like... When I went up into the arch in St. Louis... I've done that. I had the elevator stomach the whole time. I'm getting and thinking about it. I don't, I don't mind flying at all, though. I, I don't understand some of these... Uh... Somebody's a Democrat. <laughs> in which case? Well, we go to let's go to Virginia. Okay, Virginia's got some problems. Well, right you now. had Northam. Uh, you know, he's he's the uh, the gov. What the hell is he? The gov. He had the blackface deal going. And the lieutenant gov. Yeah, and then he had he's going to do a Michael Jackson dance. Yep. And, you know, and then 
And all the wife is in trouble now. Northam's what wife. What happened? What did, she, what did she do? Her name is Pam Northam. Okay. <clears throat> She's the first lady of Virginia. And she stood by his side during the press conference. His name is Ralph. Okay. Well, she not only stood by him, she said, you're not going to break dance right here or do the moonwalk or whatever he's going right, to do. Right, he, How dumb is that guy? Pretty dumb. He's a doctor. I think he's pretty, uh, pretty His common sense factor is very low. Well, hers might be lower. How so? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Virginia's first lady, Pam Northam, is being accused of her own racist scandal after her husband, Governor Ralph Northam, was forced to explain why his yearbook page had a person in blackface and another in a KKK costume. A Virginia State employee said that the First Lady singled out her 8th grade child and another African-American student to teach them a lesson about slavery. According to Leah Dozier Walker, Northam handed the two students raw cotton while they were on a tour of the governor's mansion and asked them to imagine what it would be like to be a slave. Hmm... That's going a little bit too far. The governor, Mrs. Northam, have asked the residents of the Commonwealth to forgive them for their racially insensitive past oh action, God. said Walker, who is the director of the Office of Equity and Community Engagement for Virginia's Education Department. But the actions of Mrs. Northam just last week, she continued, do not lead me to believe that this governor's office has taken seriously the harm and hurt they have caused African-Americans in Virginia or that they are deserving of our forgiveness. Northam denies the allegation and says no children were singled out. I provided the same educational tour to Executive Mansion visitors over the past few months and used a variety of artifacts and agricultural crops with the intention of illustrating a painful period of Virginia history, she said in a statement. I regret that I have upset anyone. It's kind of a non-apology apology, isn't it? Various Democrats called for Governor Northam to resign after his blackface debacle, but he has so far survived by apologizing and trying to put the episode behind him. Others called out Northam for his comments defending the practice of killing babies who survive abortions. Senator Ben Sass called uh, that morally repugnant. If he can say that protecting a little baby girl who has survived an abortion is something that we as a society all believe in together, he concluded, if he can't say that, he really should get the hell out of office. Okay. Uh, and then we learn nothing more about Mrs. Northam, who is uh, being accused, uh, however, allegedly, of handing uh, some raw cotton to a couple of black kids and saying, man, this would have been some BS in the old slavery days, huh? I don't think she has less common sense than he does. I don't think she has any. That's the dumbest thing if, I've if ever If she did that, there there really is no accounting for stupidity, is there? No, there isn't. It's just amazing. No, through and, and being a politician, you would be a politician's wife. You would have gone through the same type of training to say, don't do anything stupid. Especially someone in that position. Why would you even need training? You're right. But someone in that position, True. we all now have to operate under the assumption that we're being filmed in one way or another. You know, always Locks operate. for honest people? We'll always operate under the fact that whatever you say or do in public or in some cases in your own home, can, someone's going to find out about it. So don't do anything dumb, dummy. Can, can I get back to the... Uh... Uh, Chicago is sinking story. Yes, because it's still thought. it Can hasn't I, stopped sinking from when you. It might have gone down a little. It's lower. Right. It might have gone down a little in the time we have been chatting about Northam. 
To me, one of the most amazing statistics of humanity is that as recently as 10,000 years ago, where we're sitting was ice. That is an amazing fact to me. Because 10,000 years is is a, a snap of a finger. In, in uh, the cosmic scheme of things. So the Earth your... has been around for billions and billions of years. And 10,000 years ago, Lake Superior came into being in so Lake Michigan. You're saying how fast things could change, 10,000 years being pretty quick in the uh, blink of an eye, like you said, in four and a half billion years. I didn't say anything about four and a half billion. No, no, no. I'm saying the, the, the time that the Earth has been here, you're saying that's just a blink of the eye. Absolutely. And so what you're saying then is we need to sign the Green New Deal to prevent... we got 12 years left. we right? only got 12 no, years to go. Can you imagine the audacity of, of proselytizing kids to say, we only got 12 years. It's been 10 years, 12 years, 8 years for the past 30 years. It means nothing <laughs> because it's not true. But can you imagine that? 10,000 years ago, the Mississippi River... Gorge as it runs through the Twin Cities. That didn't exist. I think about that a lot, especially when I'm up at Lake Superior. All that you rock. You thought Lake Superior was salt water. Well, I, you know, you can't have it all. <laughs> no, you can't. Thought, but you maybe thought some it was salt an got ocean. in on that. You know, the St. Lawrence Seaway, once they opened that up, I thought the salt was just pouring in. Yeah, all right. But my point is, that's to me, that's an amazing statistic in 10,000 years. Uh, there a glacier-covered Minnesota. What's going to happen 10,000 from now? We don't know. We have no idea. We're trying to say 12 years out of the new well, Green Deal. Well, 10,000 years from now, Chicago might not be there. That's right. It'll it's be sinking. underground. It's sinking. You'll only be able to see just the top of the antenna of the Sears Tower. And still, if your family goes there, it'll yeah. be foggy. Yeah. yeah. We'll you go to it. the top of it. It's only a story now. <laughs> I can do that now. That was the same uh, type of weather when you all went on the Christmas ride. For the lights. Well, I'll never do that again. That's what? when I discovered that people have a theme problem. Yeah, Snoopy. For and... some reason, I don't know who did this. They put together, they rented one of these giant limousines. Yep. And the whole neighborhood went. Yeah. And the windows fogged up almost immediately. <laughs> and so after the first five minutes... I literally had no idea where we were. Didn't see anything. Didn't see any decoration. Then it stopped somewhere. A, a blur of color you yeah. saw as you're going by. Then it stopped somewhere so everybody could get out and stretch and mm-hmm. take a look around. I don't know where we were. Invergrove Heights, maybe, Egan. And there were, you know, there were surfers skiing through Christmas trees. Right. And I thought to myself, this is a real theme problem. Real theme problem. And Rook? For $1 million, where was Joe sitting in that limo? Right up front next to Bussy. You were right up there. Right up there saying, hey, hey, take a left. I think we got to go to. No. We're going to. No, I wasn't next to Bussy. Cross the river No, I was at the side door where where I could get out immediately. He's the first one out the door. I forgot about the escape route. Yes. He's the first one out the door. After I get out. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting out of here first. It's all about me. If this thing flips, I'm getting out. The guy sent me a video of a plane, a commercial jet, landing in the Philippines in May of 2018 in a, in a uh, what are, what are the... Uh, Helicopter? A, no, not a cyclone. What's it called? Hurricane. No, not a hurricane. Typhoon. Typhoon. It com- did a complete barrel roll. 
No. And landed safely. This was a commercial airplane? A complete barrel roll. Holy cow. Coming into the airport, it was down and then up and then down and then up. And then it did a complete barrel roll before it landed. Was that the same video that was tweeted to us with our very first GL podcast taken off? And it was the... (laughs) (laughs) Our first podcast was like trying to take off. While the plane was still being built, right, and right. people running alongside it, riveting aluminum, right, to the without to wings, the fuselage. we had one wing, and then uh, nothing else. All right, just a moment, please. What are you waiting for? This is Ricey for my friend, Mister Money Talk, Josh Arnold. Call Josh, get a different point of view, and get your financial future in order starting today. Sound retirement planning is important, and that's what Josh does. Josh can tell you that he is dedicated to helping people like you and me realize their best potential for a comfortable retirement. With today's market volatility, it's more important than ever to work with a professional who understands your needs, a professional who understands financial markets and the options available to help you reach your goals. Call Josh for a complimentary no-obligation consultation today at 952-925-5608, Investment Advisor Services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant. Consultant LLC, a registered advisor for the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. And now, a man who has never had a relationship with a tree, Joe Souchere. Uh, Trump can't do anything right. Uh, he brings a lot of that on himself. But this, he should have got this one right. What do you do? Uh, on January 10th in the southwestern Iranian city of Kazaroon, a 31-year-old man was publicly hanged, according to state-run media, after being found, excuse me, had a Roycey-like gas attack. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh after being found guilty of the ultimate crime, homosexuality, the man whose identity was not released was just one of more than 6,000 alleged to have been executed under the Islamic Republic Sharia penal system. What's more, Iran is just one of 73 countries where homosexuality is criminalized and one of eight nations alongside Afghanistan, Brunei, Mauritania, Sudan, Nigeria, Yemen, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Somalia, where it is classified as an offense punishable by death. Okay. But this month, triggered by the Iranian execution, the Trump administration, spearheaded by the openly gay U.S. ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, uh, the Trump administration announced a new initiative aimed at bringing an end to the criminalization of homosexuality worldwide. The United States continues to work to protect and defend human rights for all. Governments have an obligation to ensure that all people can freely enjoy the universal human rights and fundamental freedoms to which they are entitled, a State Department spokesperson said. Working to advance longstanding U.S. policy around human rights is the kind of work our ambassadors do around the world every day. In May last year, Secretary Mike Pompeo Uh, mandated that around the world, far too many governments continue to arrest and abuse their citizens for simply being lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and intersex. 
Fear and bigotry are enshrined in laws that criminalized LGBTI status or conduct in more than 70 countries, he continued. In some, being LGBTI is punishable by death. We use public and private diplomacy to raise human rights concerns, provide emergency assistance to people at risk, and impose visa restrictions and economic sanctions against those who persecute them. And the LGBTQRMNOBT community said that this is merely a stunt by Trump. A stunt. A stunt. This was a stunt by Trump. Mm-hmm. Can't win for trying. The initiative has in large part not been praised by many gay, lesbian, and transgender rights groups and activists in the U.S. and has actually been met with considerable backlash and skepticism. Jeremy Cadden, senior international policy advocate for the Human Rights Campaign, the largest national lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer civil rights organization in the country, told Fox News Donald Trump and Mike Pence have turned a blind eye to a campaign of violence and murder targeting LGBTQRMNLP people in Chechnya that has stretched for two years. Uh, Sounds like to me like Trump's doing something about it. Right. Uh they have turned away LGBTQ people fleeing violence and persecution and sent them back to their countries that criminalize them and have consistently worked to undermine the fundamental equality of LGBTQRMNOPQRTV1BMNT people and our families at home from day one. If, if this commitment is real, we have a lot of questions. Uh, okay. Indeed, many activists have conjectured that the campaign is merely a political attempt to further disparage and shame Iran on the world stage, suggesting it may be more about pushing back on Iran than generally supporting human rights. This just looks like another stump by the Trump administration to cherry pick and cover up what is a horrible record of targeting marginalized people, including the LGBTQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQQ
was out pounding the heater talking to someone. He's a bad guy. He's a really bad guy, but my theory on the president going to meet him is the president thought he was such a big celebrity and knows that Kim Jong-un loves Western Loves Dennis Rodman. He thought that he was going to just uh, become a, a pushover and do, yeah, we'll, we'll get her rid of the, um, the nuclear stuff. Well, I think the, that's what the president the, thought. The, the darkness wanted all sanctions lifted, and Trump said, well, hell with you. You're not getting we them all lifted. You've got to get rid of the nukes. And uh, uh, and the little bastard said, well, I'm not getting rid of my nukes. So they shook hands and said, see you later. Well, I wonder if this is it. Trump, you know, Trump's idea of a deal is, look, you get a little something, and yeah. I get a little something. Right. That's a deal. That's a deal. It's not uh, It's not one or or, or none. Plus, and, uh, in your, and you mentioned this earlier, but in in the case of so many people in this country, nothing he does is going to be okay. I mean, there, he's always going to be met with criticism. And for oh, me, look at the LGBTQ, right? Exactly. And for me, I, if he's trying to at least approach this guy and get something done, I have no yeah, problem with that whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Well, it it didn't work out, but uh, you know, again, he he his idea of a deal is look, uh, Kim. Uh, you put the nukes Come away. Come on. I'm, I'm going to lift some sanctions. Yeah. You know, a little something for you, a little something for me. Pretty soon you'd be sitting with me at the White House in the back porch there having a smoke. Yeah. Well, it didn't, it didn't work out no, too well didn't. for him. All right. Well, it ain't over yet. It no, ain't over. No. This was podcast 108. It was brought to you uh, in part by the Minnesotan mm-hmm. and Federated Insurance and the NAC Hardware and Lounge. And we'll see you tomorrow for GL number 109. Right. That's why you want to check our website each and every day, plus our Twitter feed. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Show us your wood. Show the us garage your wood, wood oh, campaign oh, oh. right now We've on the podcast. We've been getting a lot of great pictures of garage wood. Are my, is mine posted yet? Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go take a picture. And how do you see this? Go to the Garage Logic Twitter account, which is at GL. Podcast. Yeah, there's been great photographs submitted of these old blocks of wood that you always need. They've been kicked around in the garage. You'll note on mine, you can see dozens and dozens of test drill bit holes. <laughs> I'm going to proudly take a picture of mine and, and send it in to Reavers as well so we can post it. GarageLogic.com, where you can find all sorts of great other features, including Greg Holcomb's latest cartoon creation, and find out what's on Joe's bookshelf. We'll catch you next time. Garage Logic podcast version. This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. We are coming up on St. Patrick's Day. You know, the luck of the Irish. Well, do you have only one agent representing one company for your home and auto insurance? Then you're trying to get lucky. At the Canopy Group, we wish you only the best of luck. But we also believe you deserve more than luck when it comes to your home and auto insurance. You need to rely on a process. Canopy Group has 20 agents and 16 companies. Their process carefully selects from their 16 companies the best coverage at the best price for your personal insurance needs. No luck, just a disciplined and dedicated process to serving you each and every year. Remember, new clients enjoy an average savings of over $600. Contact the Canopy Group today at 800-967-3389 or visit them online at thecanopygroup.com.